Bibles, if you would, Philippians chapter number three. Philippians chapter number three. And if you're able to uh, physically to stand tonight, let's stand for respect to the Word of God. Philippians chapter number three. And we're going to read from verse 17 down through verse 21. And so uh, let's, uh, because the text is not large tonight, why don't we do this? Let's read it together, beginning in verse 17 down through verse number 21. All right? Philippians 3, verse 17. All right, here we go. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk, so as ye have an example. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you, even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able to subdue all things unto himself. And shall we pray? Lord, thank you for the time that we have tonight to be here. Pray that you bless your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> you know, I, I know that as we have been studying through the book of Philippians, that it's been a, to me, it's been a joy, and I realize the series deals with having joy in the journey, but I think about many things when I'm going through this passage in, in really this small book uh, written to the church in Philippi, the saints of God, those who knew Christ as their Savior, much like our church, and, and here we are, uh, about 20, 21 messages into this small book, and we reach the end of chapter 3, just a few verses, and Paul here is admonishing those in Philippi to make sure that they are following his example. Now, I don't think in any way that Paul was tooting his own horn, because I understand, and I think you do tonight, that the Bible says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Uh, these are not Paul's words. These are God's words. But yet, uh, I, I know in my life there have been many examples of people who have served as a guide to my life spiritually. I hope that you have some. Uh, I, know, I was thinking about our trip that we took, and there are some here tonight that went on that trip that we took to the, to the nation of Israel. As we went over to Israel, and you know, I had a lot of thoughts in my mind about what it would be like and some of the things that we were going to see. And to tell you the truth, it was not a disappointment at all. Uh, as a matter of fact, there were many things that I had no idea that I was going to get to see or be a part of or understand or come to find while I was over there. But I was thinking about the passage tonight and how that Paul is trying to help us understand that when we walk in this life, that we need to have a walk that is a guided walk. Uh, I was thinking about that trip that we took, and we were over in the Holy Land, and uh, we had a guide. Matter of fact, we had, we had an actual tour guide, and then we had a pastor that was our real guide, that was the spiritual aspect of our trip. And I thought, Brother Robert, what would that trip have been like if we would have not had Menachem? <laughs> Menachem was our tour guide. 
and um, he did a wonderful job of taking us every day and and there was a plan every day when we got up As a matter of fact before we got to back to the hotel we were going to spend that night he began to tell us now tomorrow we're going to do this we're going to go here uh, this is the place where Jesus spent some time. This is where David, the shepherd boy, was in his life. And he began to tell us all the things that we were going to experience the next day. And he was going to guide us through that day. If, if he wouldn't have been there, I think about all the things that we saw, that we got to, to, to think about, we probably wouldn't even have seen a quarter of that without a guide. I mean, we would have just wandered around Israel. <laughs> We'd have thought, hey, today, maybe we can go here, maybe we can go there. And a lot of things wouldn't happen. But, you know, God wants us as we walk through this life. In the last two Sunday mornings, we've talked about two men in the book of Genesis. We talked about Enoch and we talked about Noah today, that the Bible records that these men walked with God. And our walk needs to be one that's guided. We need guidance in our lives. See, we get in trouble when we think we can go it alone. I don't, I don't need help. I don't need anybody to show me the way. I've got this under control. And many times we don't understand that a guide is there to keep us safe. A guide knows the way. And Paul's admonishing these, uh, these Christians in Philippi to follow his example and not to look to those who, according to the scriptures, had left the faith. There's a lot of folks out there that, that start well, and they run the race, but somewhere along the way, they get off course. They've left the faith. Paul says, don't, don't put your eyes on those that have left the faith. He says, follow the good examples in your life. Follow that which is faithful, and, and, and God is, through Paul, is cautioning them to, to understand that there are those that have shunned the faith, and, and the phrase that you just read is, they've shunned the faith so much so that according to the scriptures, they've become enemies of the cross of Christ. Can I tell you, I think if you've been saved for any length of time, I know that you understand those are not the kind of people that Christians should be following and that's what he's that's what he's saying to them here is is that he's admonishing them that as you walk in life as a christian you need to be guided so look look at the three admonishments that he shares with them the first one is he tells them that they need to be following after the faithful following after the faithful look at verse 17 brethren be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. He's saying that we need to follow those that are trustworthy, those that are reliable. I mean, when you study the Word of God, you find many great examples. Moses in his day was faithful. Joseph was faithful to God. David was faithful. Daniel was faithful the greatest and most supreme example of faithfulness is the Lord Jesus Christ. What did Jesus say over and over again? I must be about my Father's will. I must work the work of Him that sent me. Not my will, 
but thine be done. That's the example that we need to follow, that which is faithful. You know, somebody said that you can describe, and we see this a lot among Christians, but somebody said that Christians are like wheelbarrows. They must be pushed. They're like canoes. Some Christians need paddling. They're like kites. They must be kept on a string. They're like footballs that you can't tell where they will bounce next. Some Christians are like balloons. They're full of wind and ready to blow up. Some are like trailers. They must be pulled. Some are like lights. They go on and off. Some Christians are like kittens. They're content when they're petted. And some Christians are like the North Star. They are there when you need them. They are dependable and they're faithful. You know, if there's one quality that you should desire for your life, is that you and I would be found faithful. Faithful. God wants us to be faithful. So what is Paul giving? Notice, first of all, he's giving them a proposition to follow. And he uses the word that he used a couple of verses before this. He calls them brethren. He's stressing here that they are believers, that they are united to another by a bond of affection. You know, we all have differences. We come from different walks of life, different nationalities, but the commonality that we have tonight is in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one that brings us together. He's the one that unites us. And Paul says, brethren, notice the next word, be. Now, it's just a two-letter word. It's actually a verb, and here it's used in the imperative mood, meaning that this is a command. And what is God commanding them? That they follow after Paul's manner. In other words, Paul was following the Lord. Now get this, it's not that, that it, it was about Paul, it was about who Paul was following. Uh, you, ever, you ever try to follow somebody in your car? And, and from time to time, you, you, know, you hit a light or something, and you're like, are they still up there? Where are they at? You know, and and you're, you're like stressing out, I think we lost them. And Paul says, look, you need to follow me because guess what? I'm following after Christ. I haven't got off the, the pathway that God has for each one of us. I'm not an enemy of the cross of Christ. I'm following the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's saying here that you and I need to be followers of him. 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. When he says followers together, he's literally saying that you and I need to be an imitator of others, following him as he follows the Lord. It wasn't uncommon, and you can find it in many of Paul's writings, for Paul to encourage his readers to follow his example. Here's another example, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 16, Wherefore I beseech you, in other words, I'm begging you, be ye followers of me, for this cause have I sent unto you Timotheus, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance. Look at this. He says, Timothy is going to remind you of my ways which are in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. He says, look, don't, don't take my word for it. Timothy's been with me. Timothy knows the kind of life that I've been living. He knows who I'm following after and he's going to remind you of those things that I'm doing 
Paul's saying, look, follow me as I am following the Lord. So what is he giving to the church in Philippi? He's giving them a proposition to follow, but then notice that his life, secondly, is a pattern to follow. The word the Bible uses there is the word mark. Now here's what the word deals with. It means to look at, to observe, to contemplate, to fix your eyes upon, to direct your attention to. Now, again, I didn't watch it. I'm not a big fan. Some of you might like horse racing. But they had the big, uh, what is it, the Belmont or whatever it was that they had in this horse that was unknown just won the Triple Crown. And I've watched a little bit of horse racing. I'm going to tell you something. They train those horses and they put the, the blinders on those horses because they, they don't want those horses to look over and see the other horses they want the horses to look straight ahead. They want them to fix their eyes on, on, on the goal, on the prize. And this is exactly what we need is we need a pattern for our lives. And Paul was encouraging the believers to look to those who that even in his absence, Paul says, there are those around you that even when I'm not there, they're still following the Lord. You know, when I was out in California and I was a part of the Bible college scene, I always thought it was interesting that every year at the beginning of a brand new school year, I saw something happen every year. Just because it's a Bible college doesn't mean that you don't have a few ornery people and a few people with evil intent even in a Bible college. And I remember that as we were there, I never saw anybody holding a sign up going, hey, I'm wicked, come be my friend. But you know, it was amazing how people would gravitate to those people without them holding up a sign. And we have to be careful about uh, the pattern that we're following. The word that he uses here is the word example. And he says, look, you need to be following after Christ. Look what the Bible says in one chapter over, uh, Philippians 4 and verse 9. Here's what he says. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen. What's the statement? Seen in me. What's the very next word? Do. What does the Bible say? Don't just be a hearer of the word, but be a doer. Again, going back to college, you can sit in a college classroom, you can hear all the teaching, you can gain all this knowledge, but if you don't do something with it, what good is it? God saved you. You have to be careful about who you're following after. Be careful about the pattern that you're following. Because watch this, if you start following the world, guess what? It isn't long before you're going to start doing the things of this world. But Paul says the things that you have, the things that you've learned, the things that you have received, the things you've heard, the things that you have seen in me, he says, do those things and the God of peace shall be with you. What was Paul to the church in Philippi? He was an example. Now, it's interesting because we see in our Bible, and it's no mistake, but there's actually both words in our Bible. If you look at it, there's the word ensample, 
and there's the word example. Now, it's not like God's playing games. The word example, all of us understand. By the way, the two words are synonymous. They mean the same thing. And sample means example. But why the two words? Because the word ensample actually is a sample within. Ensample. In other words, it's someone who's within the brethren. See, there's a lot of examples in life, right? But it's not Christian. And, and we can learn from some of those things. I mean, clearly, uh, what the nation of Israel did, the Bible talks about the things that happened unto them have, have helped us so that we won't follow after them some of the things that they did. But Paul says, look, I'm a part of you. I'm a believer. We have commonality in Jesus and he says, you have been given an example, and the example that God has given to you is to follow after Christ. See, look what the Bible says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 9. Not because we have not power, but to make ourselves an example unto you to follow us. So what does Paul say? When he uses the plurality and he says us, he's talking about we're a part of the body of Christ. He says we want you to follow us as we follow after Christ. Are you still with me tonight? Paul's giving some admonishment to them on how they are to walk. And here's what he starts with. He says, you need to make sure that your walk is a guided walk. And the way that it will be guided correctly is that you and I need to make sure that we're following after the faithful. But there, look at the second admonishment he gives them here. Right here in the text tonight, you can't, look, if you're reading as you read tonight, you can't get around this. Okay, now look at the second admonition. He says, secondly, they need to be fleeing from the foe. Do you understand the word foe? What's another word? Enemy, right? Right in the passage tonight, right in the text. These are people that are not your friends. They're not following Christ. They're doing their own thing. They're trying to lead God's people astray. Look what it says in verse number 18. It says, For many walk, of whom I have told you often. This wasn't the first time. He says here, And I now tell you, even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Paul's warning them. Now listen to what he's saying, because here's what he's, he's saying. Look, these aren't people that are openly doing this. You know, there's a lot of people that are very deceitful in the way they do things. Uh, probably the, the greatest group of folks would be politicians. But I know a lot of Christians who do things not openly but deceitful. Paul says, look, these, these are people that, that are not openly evil. They've disguised themselves. They appear on the outside to be spiritually minded people. But he says that it's, they're totally different on the inside. Look how he described them to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians 11. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers. Now watch what they do. Transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness whose end shall be according to their work. Now look, it, I understand tonight from the passage, and I'll show you in just a second, 
This wasn't something Paul delighted in telling them. From time to time, you just have to listen. You, it's for the betterment of the body of Christ. And sometimes it's not a pleasant thing, but notice what Paul says here. Because as he's telling them in verse 18, he says, And now I tell you, even weeping. Paul's saying this is not an easy thing. Look, I, we should never take joy in the fact when somebody goes off in the wrong direction. We should never say, yep, told you so. I knew that was going to happen. As a matter of fact, Paul's heart was heavy about it. Why? Because these were people, back in Philippians 1, he described how some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife, some also of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds. Many believe that the people that Paul's talking about here, that he's warning them about, were actually at one time, they were, they were members of the congregation of the church in Philippi. Now, I don't know if I can completely prove that, but I have known in my own life people who used to be a part of a church that I was a part of, and because they have decided to go their own way, they no longer are a part of that body of believers. They, they really have set themselves out there. And it's important that we see this, that Paul was, was giving them some examples to avoid. He says, these are people that are not openly evil. They have disguised themselves. They appear to be spiritual, but they're really not. And he says, these are examples to avoid. Now, look, he was telling follow me as I follow after Christ. He says, follow the faithful. But he says, there are some that are the wrong kind of examples. You've got to avoid those. And look at secondly, not only some of the examples to avoid, but he gives some exploits of these people that we need to avoid also. Because when you think about their accomplishments, Paul warns them of these people and they're, they're bent to destroying things. That's exactly what they do. Look at 1 Timothy 6, 5. The Bible says there, as he writes to Timothy, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. Now go look, look back in verse 19. Look what he says here in the passage. Whose end is what? Destruction. Whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. Notice, their end is destruction. He describes here that their God, little letter G, is their belly. He says their glory is not in God, it's in their shame, and their mindset, you know what they're focused on? Things of this world. The Bible clearly tells us to focus on that which is above and not which is on this earth. Look at Peter says in 2 Peter 2.1, there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in, what kind of heresies? Damnable. Even denying the Lord. Notice that next statement, that did what? That bought them. And bring upon themselves swift destruction. It's amazing how some people, by the way, we, we never need to say, well, I, you know, I knew that was going to happen. It should never be a matter of pride. As a matter of fact, it's by the grace of God that it's not us. 
We understand tonight that there are some, even as Peter says here, that they were among you who privily, they privately, they bring in damnable heresies, they deny the Lord that bought them, and they bring upon themselves swift destruction. So he says, look, there's, there are some examples as you're following the faithful, you've got to flee from those who are trying to lead you in the wrong direction. By the way, you ought to be thankful that you have a pastor that if, if the Lord would lead me, that I would, I would say to you, you need to avoid this, you need to avoid that, avoid that person, because understand tonight, the only person we ought to be following is Jesus. The only person. Uh, folks, I'm not even asking you to follow me. Now, if I can say it in the words of Paul, if I'm following the Lord, then follow me as I follow Christ. But tonight, it's not to be like me, it's to be like Jesus. We need to be following the faithful. Paul then says, you need to flee from the foes. There are enemies out there who are enemies of the cross of Christ. Now, look, it's not all bad, but aren't you glad when somebody puts a sign up that says, bridge out? I mean, I'm glad somebody put a sign up so that I don't drive right off of that into the ravine and, and my life is over. And I'm glad when the warnings come. But look, what good is a warning if we don't heed it? So Paul says, follow the faithful. He says, flee from the foe. And then look at his third admonition tonight. His third one is that we need to be focusing on the future. Focusing on the future. Look at verse 20. The Bible says, for our conversation is in where? It's in heaven. Now, look, look, first of all, he's saying, we've got to focus on glory. We've got to focus on heavenly things. Now, a lot of times when you study the scriptures, the word conversation usually means a manner of living. But here in the passage tonight, the word conversation actually deals with the commonwealth of our citizens. In other words, what he's saying is that our lifestyle is connected to our citizenship. And our citizenship is not of this world. We are citizens of heaven, are we not? Uh, look, we, we need to understand that this is why we need faith, just like Abraham, because our destination is a city that we have not yet seen. And look what the Bible said about Abraham in Hebrews 11, by faith. When he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, notice, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is who? Is God. Look, he didn't know. By the way, we just know that we have the promise, the certainty that one day we will be with the Lord. We know that from the Word of God. The Bible says in Colossians 3, verse number 1, If ye be been risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above and not on things on the earth. The story was told about a uh, one lovely moonlit night, there was a grandfather and his very small granddaughter. They were out walking one night, and the stars were just all over the sky. They were looking up. As they were staring at the sky, the, 
the stars were just magnificent. And the grandfather, because he knew a little bit, he began to name some of the individual constellations and stars. He was pointing a few things out to his granddaughter, and she was just amazed. And then the granddaughter looked over at her grandpa, and she said this, Grandpa, if the bottom side of heaven is this beautiful, just think about how wonderful the top side must be. <laughs> I mean, folks, listen. We have to focus on glory. You, you need to live every day with heaven in view. Every day. It's where we're going to spend eternity, folks. I mean, look, I understand that as we walk in this world that God wants us to have a guided walk. He wants us to follow faithful people. And there are going to be some that get off on a different path and they they try to lead us down that road that will lead us to destruction. And we've got to be careful to watch those examples to avoid them. But listen, the one thing we need to do is we need to stay focused on future things. He says, I want you to focus on glory. But look at secondly, we need to also focus on glorification. You see, when we got saved, we were justified. After we got saved... We began this process known as sanctification. But one day we shall be with the Lord. That is our glorification. That's what Paul's describing here. Look back at verse number 20. He says, for our conversation is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Do you know you're going to be able to exchange this old body for a better one? <laughs> Isn't that going to be awesome? No hospitals in heaven, right? Heaven's going to be a wonderful place. Paul's speaking here about an anticipated coming of the Lord. Look what it says again as we're reminded in Acts chapter 1 when Jesus was about to ascend to be with the Father. The Bible reminded those disciples of the Lord as they were there, and he had spent 40 days after his resurrection. And the Bible says, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Paul, Paul's trying to help us understand just like that day when they saw the Lord ascend up to be with the Father, that there is going to be a coming of the Lord. And he spoke about that when the Lord comes, there will be this anticipated change. He says, we look for. That's the idea of looking attentively, that we are patiently waiting with earnestness that the Lord will come back someday. The Bible says the Lord himself, he's not sending someone else. Jesus is coming himself and he's going to descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him. Boy, what a day that's going to be. Now, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trump shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. I was reading the account again. I always love it. It's been a while since I've seen it. 
But one day, realizing that his time on this earth was not long, Moody said to a friend, he said, someday, he says, you're going to read in the newspaper that D.L. Moody of Northfield is dead. He says, don't you believe a word of it. He said, at that moment, I shall be more alive than I am now. I shall have gone up higher, that is all, out of this old clay tenement into a house that is immortal, a body that sin cannot touch, that sin cannot paint, a body fashioned like unto his glorious body. Moody said, I was born in the flesh in 1837, and I was born of the Spirit in 1856. That which is born of the flesh may die. That which is born of the Spirit will live forever. Moody says, listen, what a day that will be. He says, I, I, listen, I know the Lord's coming back. I know the Lord's coming back to take us to heaven for all of eternity. And look, folks, we have to understand tonight, as Paul was trying to encourage those in Philippi, I, I know sometimes we get weary in the daily battle, but don't lose faith in God. Keep living for Him. Keep trusting that He will guide you. The songwriter said, He's coming soon. There's no doubt. I'm going to leave this world with a shout. Sin will be gone and things will be right. Keep looking up. He may come tonight. Do you know that today could be? Honestly, the Lord could come back today. God wants us to have a guided walk. How are we going to have a guided walk? We've got to follow the faithful. We've got to flee from the foe. And we need to focus on the future. What a wonderful admonition that he gives to the church that God has given to us tonight. That if we're going to have the right kind of walk, it's got to be a guided walk. Let's bow our heads tonight. Lord, thank you for this, these admonitions that we see here in Philippians chapter number 3. Lord, as I think about our church, and I many times go down the church roll, and I recall their, their faces. I think about their lives. I think about some with struggles. Lord, I pray that you'd help us. Help us to follow after those who are following Christ. Help us to see and, Lord, to be discerning about those that are trying to lead us astray. Those that are deceitful. That are trying to deceive the saints. They're enemies of the cross of Christ. Lord, the longer we live, the closer we get to heaven. May every day of our lives we live with heaven in view. Lord, I pray that our walk would be pleasing to you. Guide us every step of the way. As the psalmist said, lead me, O Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As the piano